Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, hey, good morning. Hey, for those of you who are new uh, at Crosspoint today, welcome. So glad you could be with us. Uh, my name's Rob. I'm the lead pastor here at Crosspoint. And uh, yeah, I'd love to get the chance to get to know you. So I hope you'll join us at Converge. That's going to be coming up here soon. And a uh, chance for you to discover a little bit more about Crosspoint and get a free meal. So that's good. Uh, so I hope you uh, consider signing up for that. Hey, uh, I just got back from Asia about two days ago. Uh, I know most of you know that. Um, and I'm excited to be back with all of you guys. Uh, I'm a little bit jet-lagged, okay? So if I start to slur my words, uh, or if I fall off the stage, um, I hope you'll forgive me this morning. Um, I just want to give a, a couple of announcements here, uh, just before I get started, um, just to talk to you about a couple of things. I just want to add a little bit to, to Cole's great announcement about uh, Joseph Ibrahim and Go Ministries. We, we have a number of partners here in the facility, at Crosspoint, who are uh, using our facility, and we are trying to figure out how we can partner with them in, in their kingdom efforts and some of the things that they are doing. Uh, Joseph Ibrahim and Go Ministries uh, work specifically, as you saw from the video, with Muslims. And uh, of course, as you know, that's one of the uh, things that makes Crosspoint's heart beat, is uh, we are concerned about the nations of the world. We know that God loves all people, no matter what their religious orientation is, no matter what their background is, no matter what. And so for us, uh, we're going to partner with them, and we're going to be doing an event on December, I think it's December 15th, it's a Saturday, it's in your bulletin. Uh, but we're going to be doing a meal here in our gymnasium, a potluck meal with Syrian Muslims. We're going to invite them. And these are people who are in relationship with Joseph. They're some of the people who've been part of our Kids Capers summer camp. And uh, we're going to invite them to come and just to have a Christmas meal with us. We're going to provide the turkey and the fixings. And uh, on, on top of that, we are going to invite them to bring some of their delicious Syrian dishes. So it's going to be halal friendly. It's going to be a great meal. Um, and we're going to tell the Christmas story. Joseph is going to tell them the Christmas story. They're expecting it. And most of all, we're going to provide kids who are coming, these uh, Syrian refugee kids, with presents because they go to school and they are surrounded by kids who have presents and we want them to be part of that and feel connected in our Canadian society so that's part of the contribution we're working together with them on uh, as as they come so we are looking for people who can lovingly and graciously come to the meal so people who are part of Crosspoint come to the meal and more importantly who are saying you know maybe I might even develop long-term relationships with some of these Syrian folk who are coming so that's what we're, we're ultimately looking for. We hope you'll carefully considering, consider it. We'll give you more details as the week come out. But uh, I'm totally stoked that we are doing this. And what a great opportunity we have. That video that we showed of Joseph, it's much longer. Uh, we just showed you a very small, small part of it. That we're going to have the whole video available online so you can hear the whole story uh, about Go Ministries and about what Joseph is doing. So that's the first announcement. So don't start the clocks for the sermon yet. Second announcement um, is I want to talk to you about a series that we're starting next week. It's called Skeptics Welcome. Uh, and I don't know about you, but uh, oftentimes as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we are encounter the tough questions about our Christian faith. And the purpose of this series is to help uh, reinforce our faith as believers in Christ, but also to create a venue and an opportunity for you to perhaps invite someone uh, so that they can come and discover more about why do Christians believe that? And, and what about this question? And what about that question? Some of the things we're going to be looking at is, uh, uh, is Christianity, or how, is, is it arrogant to believe uh, in a, an exclusive faith? 
You know, so when we talk about Jesus being the only way, is that, is that arrogant? Why do Christians believe that? Uh, what about suffering in the world? You know, if there truly is a loving God in the world, how can there be suffering? Uh, questions about, well, is it reasonable, actually even reasonable to believe in God, that God exists? Um, and uh, even more so, what about the relationship between faith and science? So these are a number of the questions that we're going to be looking at. We're going to do a seven-week run. It starts next week. We are totally excited about that. More details about that online. But here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Would you prayerfully consider um, inviting somebody out to the series? Bring a friend on the arm and say, you know, I know you're wrestling with these questions. And uh, our pastor's a pretty good guy. He's not too weird. Uh, he's he's going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about this as a church community. And it's an, it's, a, it's an environment where everyone's allowed to come and be a skeptic. Because skeptics are welcome here in our midst. And we know that. Because here at Crosspoint, we say, come along in community with us and discover together. And I know that there are a number of you who are part of our Crosspoint community who even now are still wrestling, and we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here in community with us, and you're still kicking the tires of faith, and you're still considering, is Jesus truly who he says he is? So anyway, uh, looking forward to that series. More than, any, more than anything, let's pray together in community uh, for what God is going to do uh, in this series. Okay. Um, so for those of you who are just joining us, we... Uh, are in a long teaching series called The King's Tale. And we've been making our way through the Gospel of Luke. And we've been looking at the story of Jesus, the King of Kings. And uh, we, this, this week we're going to find ourselves in Luke chapter 9. Um, and in The King's Tale, at, up to, let me just bring you up to speed about where we're at at this point in, in the Gospel. This is early in the uh, ministry of Jesus. He's been touring uh, through the region of Galilee, that's where he began his ministry. It's kind of the sticks. It's kind of the. It's not the center of power, not the center of uh, popularity for Israel. It's rather kind of a, an outer region, a region of farmers and whatnot. And Jesus is going from town to town, talking about the kingdom of God, proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come. He's teaching people what it means to be in the kingdom, what it means to have the kingdom of God live inside of them. Uh, and he's also performing miracles. He's he's raising the dead. He's He's uh, causing storms to cease. He's doing all sorts of things. And uh, at this point in the story, Jesus has just performed a long sequence of miracles. A long sequence of miracles. And this is an interesting point in the Gospel of Luke that we're going to look at today. Because what you discover at, in Luke chapter 9 is Jesus is beginning to draw a line in the sand. And he's beginning to talk about what it means to truly be a disciple a follower of Jesus. So up to this point, he's been showing everybody, this is who I am. But now he's starting to say, because this is who I am, these are the implications of that truth. So I uh, invite you to read with me uh, in the text. I'm going to have it on screen. I'm going to read it, and uh, you can follow along. Uh, there are no sermon notes this week because I arrived Thursday evening in a jet lag state, and this is the best I could do. So, uh, But I have slides online, and you have a digital Bible. So let's follow along. Uh, Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 18. Here's what it says. It says, Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? And they replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He said. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, Well, God's Messiah. And Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, 
the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. And then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And truly I tell you, some of you who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And this is the word of God. Can we, can we pray together? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your holy word, and, and we thank you for the words of Jesus. And we pray today as we dive into them, we examine them, that you would examine us. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would nudge us, would encourage us, would inspire us, would change us. And so we surrender ourselves um, to you and the good work you want to do in each and every one of us. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Okay, well, today I, I simply want to begin by zeroing in on one question that we find in the text today. And in fact, it's the most important question in the text. It's, it's the focal point of what Jesus is teaching here to his disciples. And we read it in verse 25. So let's look at it really quickly. Here's, here's what it is. Here's the question that Jesus asks. He asks this. What good is it? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Now, essentially, what Jesus is asking here is this. He's asking, is it worth it? Is it worth it? To be a disciple or to flip the question on its head is it worth it to choose not to be a disciple now the niv it, it uses the phrase what good is it but i like how some older translations use it instead of saying what good is it they ask the jesus asked the question what does it profit a person what's the profit here really what jesus is asking here is this is an investment question He's asking the question, is it worth it to you? Is this a worthwhile investment? He's saying, okay, think, think about your life. What is the profit margin? What is the ROI, the return on investment? Is becoming a disciple of Jesus at the end of the day really a good investment? Now, most of us, I think, would agree that good investments matter. Nobody wants to get caught up in a, in a lousy investment scheme. Uh, how many of you uh, are aware of the Nigerian prince scam? You ever heard about the Nigerian print scam? No? Well, let me explain it. Uh, so you receive an email in your inbox, and it turns out the email is from a, a dethroned or defrocked prince of Nigeria. And as it turns out, he has money tied up, an inheritance that's worth about $30 million. And the problem is, though, is it's kind of tied up in the courts, and he can't afford the legal fees to get the money out. But of all the people on planet Earth, he has discovered you his trustworthy friend. And you are the one person on the planet who can help liberate the cash that he needs. All you need to do is send him $1,000. And if you send him $1,000, he'll be able to pay his legal fees, he'll get his $30 million back, and he will give you 1% of the profit, which turns out is $300,000. Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? $1,000? 
invested $300,000 in return. It is the investment of a lifetime. And of course, at the end of the day, it's a terrible investment, right? Because it's an absolute complete scam. It is the internet's oldest hustle. This thing has been going on for three decades. But here's the thing is, it's still raking in millions of dollars every year. And I ask the question, well, why is it so successful? Well, obviously because there are a lot of naive people out there, but also because there are a lot of people out there wanting to make money. There are a lot of people out there who want a good investment, particularly one that costs them little and has huge returns on the investment. Because that's a good investment, right? Jesus is talking about an investment here. And it is a lucrative investment that he's inviting us into. But to get in on this investment, there is a considerable cost. Considerable cost. And that's what I want to ask th today. The second question is, what's the cost? See, as he turns out, this investment is very costly. So costly. So costly that most sane people in your world would probably try and talk you out of it. Because Jesus seems to be asking for this outrageous buy-in an investment that will cost you everything, an investment that will cost you your life, your life. And Jesus breaks the investment down into three costs. You, 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 you read it in the text. He says, here's the, here's the investment broken down into three costs. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's what it means to, to buy into this investment. So I, wanna, I just want to talk about each of those very quickly this morning uh, so that we're very clear on what Jesus is asking us to consider in this investment. So let's talk about... Uh, Denying yourself. This is the first cost. Uh, Self-denial essentially means rejecting a way of life that's built on self-interest or self-fulfillment. So it's where I, I intentionally remove myself from being the center of the universe. To, it means having a kind of a Copernican revolution of the soul where I ruthlessly choose to no longer orbit my life around myself, but instead I choose to orbit my life around God and other people. So instead of being self-centered, I become other-centered or God-centered. So life isn't about serving my needs. It's not all about me, as a matter of fact. Uh, rather, it's about serving God's needs. Now, when you think about this, okay, when you think about this, if you've grown up in the church, yeah, yeah of course, yeah, right, yeah. But when you think about this, this is, this is so countercultural. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and, and when you try and do it, if you think about trying to do it, it is incredibly difficult because it's going against the grain of our culture. It's like running uphill into the wind every day of your life, especially when everybody believes in our culture, or so many people believe, that the self is the most important thing on the planet. See, the orientation, the natural bent and orientation of our culture, if we're paying attention, is not towards self-denial. The natural orientation of our culture is towards self-fulfillment. We, we live in a culture where self-fulfillment is the raison d'etre. It's the reason for our existence. It's, it's our ultimate goal and our ultimate meaning in life. The goal in life, if, you, if you're listening to the media, if you're listening to the news, if you're paying attention to your Instagram feed, the, the goal in life is to discover and to express your own unique self. Follow, find your own personalized road to happiness. Follow your heart. Express your true self. And even if that means fighting others who are going to challenge your desire to find your and express your own self, it doesn't matter. This is the ultimate goal. And this is actually one of the more dominant narratives today in our culture. 
Um, recently, I, I, was, I was watched a video clip of Jim Carrey, and uh, he was uh, at this year's Golden Globe ceremony. And, and just before announcing the nominees for the best motion picture in comedy, he took a jab at his own pursuit of self-fulfillment. And he's asking this question regarding self-fulfillment. He says, when, when will enough ultimately be enough? And, and here's what he says. He says, I am, it's really funny. If you get a chance to go watch it, go watch. Just Google it. Uh, he says, I am two-time gold, Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winner actor Jim Carrey. Because then, I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this terrible search for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. And it's interesting, when you watch the video, they, they pan across the actors in their designer gowns and tuxedos, and, and, the, and, and the, the audience is laughing hysterically. However, you also notice on their faces that his words are ringing so true. If a golden globe or three will not satisfy us in life, what ultimately will? And the, and the challenge with the search for self-fulfillment is it's an, it's an endless unfulfilling search at the end of the day you are never truly satisfied uh, and yet this is the this is the religious mantra of our society this is what our culture is ultimately looking for self-fulfillment 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 find yourself fulfill your dreams do whatever it takes and so when jesus stands up and he says no no it's it's not about self-fulfillment it's about self-denial that just seems so very radical in the world in which we live so that's the first cause. But here's the second cause. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. You, you know, in, the, in that culture, every, everybody understood what a cross was because they were under Roman rule. They knew what crosses meant. Crucifixion was perhaps the most uh, horrific form of torture. You know, with crucifixion, the, the person didn't bleed to death. They, ultimately, they suffocated to death. The cross for that culture represented humility, uh, humiliation, sorry, suffering, and death. And what Jesus seems to be saying when he says, take up your cross, that's a, that's a pretty harsh statement because what he's saying is that a disciple is someone who's willing to do the right thing, whatever the cost. And that cost at the end of the day might actually include humiliation. That cost might include suffering. And that cost might include death. Now, in our Canadian context, where we have the, the freedom to worship, to gather together as worshipers, um, and that the government actually gives us this freedom, it's hard for us to imagine that death is the consequence of being a disciple of Jesus. But in many parts of the world, it truly is. It, it's a living reality for them day by day. And the cost of discipleship for them is so very much more, more real. Okay, so... Again, this idea is countercultural. And let me tell you why it's countercultural. It's because for our culture, uh, the goal of life is not, is not a cross, but rather the goal of life is the pursuit of happiness. Do you know that happiness is, is the, the biggest determiner of all of our decisions in our culture? It it's actually finds its way in a, in a stream of philosophy, an ethical stream of philosophy known as utilitarianism. Okay? Uh, basically what it says is that um, whatever makes the greatest amount of people happy is the right thing. That's the undercurrent in our, in our culture in which we live today. 
And it's the biggest determiner of all our decisions. Whatever makes you happy, whatever is the most fun, whatever gives you the greatest comfort, whatever provides the greatest pleasure, that ultimately has to be the right thing, doesn't it? So happiness is, is the highest ideal in our culture. And so when Jesus says, a cross is the way to life, that goes against the grain of, of our culture. Um, when, I was at, when I was a parent, I'm still a parent. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, when my children were younger, uh, my children now, of course, are, are um, 21 and 19. But when my children were younger, uh, as a parent, I used to always ask them this question. When they come home from school or when they come home from some sort of an event or whatnot, I would always ask this, this, this question, them this question. Wow, I'm really jet lagged. I would always ask them this question. I would ask them, so did you have fun today? So did you have fun today? And, and I, I didn't even realize it, but after a while, that question actually started to bother me. Because what I realized is that every time I asked them this question, I was actually reinforcing the mantra of our society. I was reinforcing to them, every time I asked them that question, that fun and happiness is the ultimate determiner of meaning. As long as you had fun today, it was a good day. But if you didn't have fun today, it was a bad day. Do you hear that? So I, in my kind of sad and sadistic and sarcastic, I, I changed it. Um, I would ask, did you have fun today? Because you know that fun is the ultimate meaning in life, right? <laughs> That's what I would ask them. And of course, a six-year-old is like, what is he talking about, right? Uh, terrible parent. Killjoy. Hours of counseling coming up in the years ahead. And eventually, I just stopped asking the question altogether. But you see, this is, this is the core value of our culture. It can ultimately be summarized in two words. And you've heard these two words before. Good times. You heard that before? Good times. And we just say it so flippantly. We say it so lightly. And listen, I'm not killjoy. I, I, I like having fun. I love having a good time and all of that. And I delight in life because I, I know the one who's the giver of all life. However, good times is not the ultimate end goal of life. And unfortunately, this is not how one would describe carrying a 200-pound wooden beam every single day. Good times. The cross stands in opposition to the mantra of our society. So here's the third, here's the third uh, cost, the final cost of following Jesus. Following Jesus means to model your life after him in, in every way. I've got to stop playing with that. Uh, it means to listen to him and ultimately to obey him. So the disciples who followed after Jesus, they called him their master. Uh, they learned his teachings. They followed their way, his way of life. They tried to emulate his way of life and his person in every single way. So you'll notice in the story and throughout Luke's gospel that there are two groups of people who followed after Jesus. I've said this a number of times uh, in, in, in the passing weeks as we've gone through this series, but there were two groups of people who followed after Jesus. On the one hand, there were the crowds, this large group of people who followed after him en masse, and then there There is a difference between being a fan and being a follower. 
rose up from the grave. And the thing about the resurrection is, the resurrection is the demonstration of God's approval over Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not resurrected, he would just be a really good guy with really great intentions who died a terrible death in the But because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, it demonstrates that everything that Jesus said about himself is true, and he was the Son of God. And it says that the work that he did on the cross was indeed It is the proof that Jesus is not just some Nigerian prince trying to scam us. It is the proof that Jesus is the King of Kings, He is the Lord of Lords, He is the Son of God, and He is the Messiah. And if Jesus is resurrected from the dead, here's the thing if Jesus is resurrected from the dead, then the implications of that truth are far reaching. The only reasonable alternative, if you can accept and concede that Jesus was resurrected from
Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.